Welcome to Black Boys and Men, Changing the Narrative, a podcast series sponsored by the McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research at the NYU Silver School of Social Work and the Community Technical Assistance Center of New York. I'm your host, Jason Jones. This series brings together thought leaders, community members, and individuals with lived experience to discuss and dispel the myths and stereotypes surrounding black boys and men, while providing facts and best practices for those working with these often marginalized populations. This podcast will focus on the importance of engaging black fathers in behavioral health settings and best practices to improve child and family well-being. Black fathers are often stigmatized within the U.S. for a myriad of reasons, including negative stereotypes and inaccurate media portrayal. And for these reasons, they are often not engaged in child and family behavioral health settings. However, there is a host of data that describes the importance of black fathers in the lives of their children and families. In fact, there are currently more fathers living with their children than without. And data suggests that black fathers are more involved in the daily lives of their children in comparison to their white and Latino counterparts. This further underscores the importance of engaging black fathers. We are joined by Tyrone M. Parchment, a research scientist at the McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research, and a fourth year PhD candidate at the NYU Silver School of Social Work. Tyrone, we're so pleased to have you join us. Let's get started by hearing a little bit more about you and the work that you do. Sure. Thanks, Jason. So my research interest is really looking at the role of male male caregiving and how it plays into child and adolescent well-being, but more specifically about how it helps in family functioning as well. And what I don't want my research to be is to really, I don't want to perpetuate patriarchy, because when we think about fathers, when we think about men, many times it's under the eyes of maintaining patriarchy where male dominance over women, but it's to really look and see what role men can play in the lives of children and their family that's not only economic. They could have a nurturing role. They could have a empathic role. They could have additional roles to fulfill the family function. And so I like to see my work to be a part of that, the shift in culture where we look at fatherhood as solely financial and more about what are the other aspects of male caregiving and families. And I think that's incredibly crucial because we often do have this view of fathers as just these financial givers, rather than a fully encompassing caregiver with all of those respects. And I think that having that foundation is really helpful, especially when we think of different types of fatherhood and how that functions within families and communities. So to get us started on just some terminology, can you talk about what you mean when you say fatherhood? I, I see it more broadly. Um, many people, when you hear father, you think about the birth father or the biological male towards a child. And I like to think of fatherhood and fathers more broadly about males who have a caregiving role in families. So that individual can be the birth father, can be the biological father of the child. It could be the adoptive father, and it could be the social father. So these are men who are they may not be the biological father of the child, but they are fulfilling that father role for children, whether it could be a stepfather, a live-in boyfriend, or involved neighbor, or a mentor. Like these individuals, they are not biologically connected to the child, but yet they're still serving a role of a, of a 
male figure or father figure in children's lives. And in other communities, black communities in particular, or non-Western communities, they are also fictive kin, where these are individuals who are unrelated by marriage or birth, but yet they are they are seen by children or family members as a, as a male caregiver or father in role. You see father, it looks very differently across the board. And another thing that um, when I came to want to do research on male caregiving and fathers was also looking at like the vast majority and, and experiences of fathering that there are and there are unique needs for each group. So you have you know, fathers who are formerly incarcerated have their own specific unique needs because due to their incarceration not being involved in their family's life, there's definitely impact for not only him as well as the, the female caregiver of his child as well as the children. And also like young fathers between like the age of like 16 and 24 who are fathers at a very young age. So developmentally, they may not be equipped to be able to fulfill this adult role, but yet they have to. There's also unique needs for these young dads as well. And another thing is that there are gay and bi dads or gender non-conforming dads as well who are very active in the lives of their children. And when I was doing a presentation at another site and I was looking up for resources, I found this organization, this forum. So it's the Gay and Bi Fathers Forum of New York and it's gaybydads.org and it's dedicated to providing the New York City area with safe and nurturing space for bi and gay fathers to exchange ideas, share personal experiences and offer mutual support in a social setting. And there's also coalitions, I think I mentioned before, also coalitions, the father coalition that's in Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. So. I mean, and, and, and I'm sure I there's other experience of father that I haven't mentioned, but this during my research, like young fathers, gender nonconforming, gay and bi fathers as well, formerly incarcerated dads, are also have very unique needs and they're also a population that definitely needs services and support, not only for their role as a father, but also as a man and what because we're also, just like you're, as you're a mother, you're also a woman and have various aspects of your identity. And the same goes for men. It's like we are men, but we also are fathers. And what does that mean for our identity as well? And I also want to say that even though like my focus is a little bit more broadly, I understand definitely the importance of looking at biological fathers as well, because there are still legal implications within our laws that are that men still have to provide for their children if they are identified as the birth father. But as I said at the beginning is is that even for myself personally, I've been a caregiver for my brother for the past primary caregiver for my brother for the past almost five years after um, our mom passed away and my stepfather, his father passed away. So I have been f fulfilling that male caregiver role and that I might not be the biological father or the stepfather, but yet I'm his brother, but I'm also a father figure in many ways. So that's how I see and I'm not the only one who does it. And if we really look at men in general, we are in some capacity are fulfilling some father figure role for someone. It can even be for our peers in many instances. So I like to view it and I, I put caregiving as a part of it because men, how we are socially constructed are not viewed as caregivers. Like masculinity is not tied up into caregiving, but yet we are human beings. We're not vastly different from women. 
but we are capable of providing care for others and to give care. So that's why I want to view fatherhood more broadly in terms of male caregiving. So if you were to describe the importance of fatherhood and the role that they play within families, what would you say? When I think of that question, it reminds me of a TED Talk by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, and it was about the danger of the single story. And we hear a lot about the quote-unquote deficit in the black family, about that black men are not there for their children, that there's a... And indeed, there are statistics that show that there is some men who are not involved. But when I think about Chimamanda um, Adichie's TED Talk about the single story is that when we get caught up in an idea of one story of black fathers, we completely negate the other experiences that other people experience when it comes to fathers. And that not all black men are absent fathers. Mm -hmm. Even though there are statistics that show that they are some men who, for many reasons, are may not be involved, but there's a certain amount of many other men who are. And why aren't we hearing their stories? Why, why aren't we bolstering more research around them? How are they maintaining being involved in their children's lives? And are these absent fathers really absent? Um, they may not be cohabitating with the mother of their child or cohabitating with their child, but they are, they're still are providing some role. I would like to like start off with that, not negate the fact that there's statistics out there about black fathers, but that doesn't really fulfill the whole story. But there are research that shows that why fathers are important is that when a male is involved in the life of a family, a particular father, there's lower levels of child neglect. Even in families that are facing like various other factors such as like unemployment, poverty, et cetera, that will reduce the risk of having the child risk for maltreatment. Additionally, same goes for reducing risk of the child from engaging in delinquency such as gang involvement, crime, and substance abuse. And even from birth, children who have an involved father are more likely to be emotionally secure, be confident to explore their surroundings as they grow older, and have better social connections with peers. So this and like, I mean, I could go through the gamut of various other research around fathers, as well as um, how they impact child cognitive development, where fathers who are involved, who are nurturing and playful with their infants, their children have higher IQs, as well as have better linguistic and cognitive capacities. Um, uh, They're also more patient and can handle the stresses and frustrations associated with schooling when you have a father involved. There's also, when you have a father involved, uh, there are um, children are less likely to experience depression or exhibit disruptive behavior and are more likely to exhibit pro-social behavior. And additionally, boys who have involved fathers have fewer behavior problems than girls. And, and that girl, excuse me, has stronger self-esteem. So you see that it takes a village to raise a child so that when you have an additional caregiver at home, and it's particular a male, you do see better influences on the children. And what I would like to see is um, within my research as I continue my PhD is to explore what are the personal benefits of the individual benefits of that male caregiver and providing for their family, and also what are the benefits for the whole family in general, both the, the female caregiver as well as the children. You know, I love that you said that there's data out there that Sure, it says that some fathers aren't involved, but 
there's so much other data that talks about the benefits of the fathers that are involved and that there are tons of fathers that are involved. But we're not looking at that. And I'm wondering, why do you think that is? Race is definitely an, an, an aspect of it because this idea of absent fathers did not just happen to arrive in black communities or ethnic people of color. And then you have this, this is undertone that, that seeps into racism as well as to, and doesn't take into account the larger context of why are men not involved. This is not because they just wake up and don't want to be involved. Granted, there may be some individuals that, that again, that, that single story cannot be the whole story of all the men. So if there's 60% of identified males who are abs- black males who are absent fathers, what is the leading cause of them being absent? Is it incarceration that's greatly impacting our community? Is there unemployment? Like there's a lot of other structural issues that are impacting the families that are many ways inducing lack of involvement. And also the idea of masculinity and manhood where we are also regulated into thinking that our only role is that I'm here to make the money and that's it. And that's really not how, and, but this is not what we just, just, just came up to our minds. Like this is a part of our American culture of how we review, view men in the father role. And we don't really look at things more systemically or institutionally, especially when it comes to black father. And there's countless of other researchers out there Ron Mincy and um, Waldo Johnson as well, who really focus on both the policy, the, the history, and the structural impact of black families, which is why there, is, there are some statistics that are statistics out there that there's absent fathers. It's really this double-edged sword. It's this mix of the way that we're socialized around manhood within this country and in many other nations as well to have this kind of singular view as if you're a father, you're a provider, a financial provider in many ways. And then when you add the racial component, there's systemic structures and systemic oppression that exists that we're really not talking about and how that impacts black fathers specifically. And also even how you view black people or black men. Like when we talk about blacks, it's the folks from the African diaspora. So it's not only African-Americans. There are ethnic blacks. There are blacks from the Caribbean. There's blacks from Latin America, from Central America, from South America, from, from of course, from Africa, and from various other countries from around the world. But there's this underlying rhetoric that there's this only this one monolith group who are very diverse ethnically and culturally and economically and also socially that we don't really consider, which is a problem with the single story. Yeah, it's a problem in and of itself. So we laid the foundation for why are black fathers important within their family context. So in the vein of mental health and behavioral health overall, why would you say they're important to be involved in those types of settings? Because they are part of the family, and especially when you work in human or social services, a lot of our work is working with families. And I understand rightfully so why our target are always mothers, because, again, our society sets up the expectation that the women, the mothers, are the primary caretakers of children. And that's, you know, that's what 
we are dealt with, but then there's also the reality of it that there's also other individuals who are part of the caregiving of a child. And especially if you're doing family work, because I know in various different settings, the scope and the population that you work with will dictate the services you provide. But in particular in family work or in settings, where you work with families, engaging the male caregiver, whether it is the biological father or that older brother or that cousin or that live-in boyfriend or that whomever that other male caregiver of that child is, bring them in as a part of the work to do with the family. And of course, it has to be purposeful. You know, we don't want both the mother or the child to be at risk of danger. Like if there's any type of intimate partner violence situation or danger that really imminent danger for the, both the mother of the child and the child, you don't necessarily want to engage that particular individual. But if there's a male who is not that and who is providing support for the family, bringing them in gives you a different insight of the family and also help, could help strengthen the family even more. So it's not only attending to the family, but also possibly attending to issues and things that he's dealing with within this context. Right, because as men, we don't really have spaces to talk about our feelings in many ways. Some of us may have those spaces, but it's not necessarily available for larger people. So how we can how we communicate is very different. There's countless of books within social work, I'm sure in psychology and other helping professions of how do you work with men because men and boys, because how you communicate with men and boys are very different. And, it's, and as a clinician or as a practitioner, to be aware of that, that, to be able to engage that male, that black father, that black male caregiver, but being able to speak to his language and not expect to have someone come, come to you, you kind of have to reach out to them. And in talking about engaging them, from an organizational standpoint, what are some things that these behavioral health organizations can do to really engage black fathers? Sure, that's a great question. So when I was doing research, there's this paper that everyone can access. So it's the Technical Assistance Partnership for Child and Family Mental Health in Washington, D.C. So it was a guide for father involvement and assistance of care with the notions of engaging fathers. And they identify three dimensions for organizations who want to engage fathers, what they can do. So on the organizational level, I'll start off with that. You want to hire and, and or train staff members who embrace the positive contributions of fathers. Because again, we live in structures, we live in organizations, institutions. So if your staff or you do not see the importance of the positive contributions of black fathers in particular, it'd be very hard for you to engage. So there has to be that cognitive shift. And we all have our own personal opinions about fathers, in particular black fathers. And I'm not saying all places have a negative connotation of engaging men, but many folks might feel that it's very hard to engage men and to engage fathers would be a lot harder. It can be, it could be. But how much is that is your perceptions of that difficulty and how much is the actual reality of it? And I'm not saying it's, it's difficult, that it's not difficult, but sometimes half the battle is really reframing how we view 
a level of engagement, whether it be social work, psychology, or any human services work, it's our own perception of the work which frames how we do the work or what we do or don't do. So we really want to have that insight and definitely have trainings around and helping your staff to work through if it is an issue that they have about engaging black people for whatever reason to come to a realization that they also are part of the family and it's important not only for the, the families you serve, but also for the mission of the organization that you're working with. I strongly believe that training is key, but also have your staff be able to process. Because we, again, we're human beings and we have our own opinions and we wanna, and if you wanna implement something on a management level, you wanna make sure that you have space for your staff to voice their like and dislike of it and having a place, but have it be more structured. So definitely, I think that's the most key part in terms of organizationally. It's something that we often talk about, but something that's so difficult to do is owning our own biases and then thinking of how do these biases actually impact our work. Right. And I think that many folks are reluctant to do it because it's right. it's such hard work, but it's beneficial. Right. And it's a level of insight that we have to have because if we want that level of insight for the families that we're working with, but yet we can have a we don't have that insight, we're not really doing the most effective work if we're not able to have that level of insight, which also takes onus of the management or supervisor to create that space mm -hmm. to have that. So that, because we all have biases and it's okay to have biases, but that your behavior of how you handle it or don't handle it, that that's the problematic piece. So having those space of really be insightful and just address the bias and like, it's okay that you're biased, yet this is where we would like to go and we want to work on how can we all be on board with this? What, what are some things that we need to do or rethink? So definitely the hiring and training is very important. And I know in many settings, like, you may not have the resources to hire individuals, but training in staff service is also very important, too. And there's uh, so many research online. Just like I said, the Technical Assistant Partnership for Child and Family Mental Health in Washington, D.C., that's a guide that's available online that breaks down of so many valuable information and resources about um, the benefits of father involvement, how can you implement it, and different steps. So there's resources out there that's, that shouldn't be that much of a burden mm -hmm. for you to implement that. So definitely training is important. And also, I would say in the past 30 years, if not maybe more or less, that again, there's been like a shift of viewing fathers as more of a caregiver role on top of the idea of being the financial caretaker in the family. And so within that, there's been a lot of research in the social sciences and nursing and various other fields about looking into fathers. So if you're in an organization that want to implement engaging fathers, particularly black fathers, there's various father initiatives locally and nationally. And you know, it's interesting. I think that we we have these resources available and hopefully organizations really take advantage of them but i think the next step is after you've engaged these members of the family and these fathers within your organization how do you keep them there what are some ways to um really provide services that they need and want right half the battle probably is to get them in and the longer battle is how to maintain them so it's also an orientation of how we communicate. 
I remember uh, taking my brother to doctor's appointments when he for pediatrician, and it was very woman oriented as well as child oriented. It was nothing there that really showed men, mm-hmm. but more about the mother and the child. I understand that, but having this, having pictures of fathers of male caregivers or having an assortment of literature that can be focused to male needs or male specific stuff or even having in the waiting room having a sports illustrator I know it's it's a little stereotypical but it's like really expanding your your visible space because when you enter a space if you don't really see anything that's somewhat reflective of you it's really hard for you to want to come back in So there's something aesthetically that can be done to make it a little bit more inviting. And then just being very direct. I think for us as men, we we are nurtured to be direct and not be passive how we talk. So I think as a practitioner, be direct and like and and telling the father, like I if if he does when he does come in, like I appreciate you being here. And then like just being direct about what exactly you need from him. If we are being direct, we need. I would love for you to come in. We, we need your perspective on the experiences that your child is having, or we need your perspective, your additional added important perspective on this whole family situation. So being really direct is also very key. And I would assume that you know being direct or assertive in that way in terms of what are the needs of the clinician or the provider for the father being within that space also invites the father to be direct about their concerns about the organization, their concerns about being there, and their individual needs. Right. And for that father who does feel that level of investment that he's receiving from the agency, he can also be helpful in determining what type of programs can be available for other fathers. So there's this campaign that happens every year in New York City called Dads Take Your Children to School. So it happens in, I believe, the first month of the public school semester or academic calendar. Educators to get in to, to know who are these male caregivers for these children. And it's a national campaign that happens often. And this is another way that you can engage. Like maybe this dads bring your child for family therapy or having dad-specific or male-specific activities um, that will bring them in that is specific to them. And you could be creative. And again, I mean, a lot of these suggestions are also not in context because a lot of different agencies and organizations and programs have different levels of funding or no funding at all or their parameters of what they can or can't do are very limited. So again, as I'm making these suggestions, some people like, well, this doesn't make sense for us. But there's little things that you could do or maybe having a social media presence and or having information that's maybe more male-oriented or maybe about male health, male mental health. Again, there's tons of research out there about male mental health. So if you have a waiting area, maybe having those pamphlets out there. So there's little things that can be done. And also, given the constraints of your organization, I think knowing what that is can also inform what you can do. But there's also there's little things and there's big, bigger things that you can do. And I, I think it's good to keep that into perspective because I think that many organizations mm-hmm. will say that very same thing, that we may not have funding for this in many ways or these initiatives don't really align with our mission and our vision for the organization. But 
as you said, there are small things that you could do just to make the space more inviting. Exactly. They are more than one father-specific programs. Like I know Catholic Charities has a Man Up Fatherhood program. The Osborne Association has a father program for um, men who were formerly incarcerated. So given the, the scope and the population that you're serving, you could also link up with and partner with these organizations. Partnering up with that organization who will have access to other programs for you to be connected to. And also it's the World Wide Web. There's websites. If you just Google follow programs NYC, you will find a ton. Maybe some of them might not be updated, but you at least know that there's this resource. So there's a lot of very tangible things, but I think you can't do this in isolation because black fathers and fathers in, in general are not invisible, but we have this perception that they are. Because mm-hmm. when I walk down the street, I see black males who are caregiving, who are fathers. So I don't really see this big deficit that, that intimately for me. So building connections with other organizations. And then there's also a, a Brooklyn Fatherhood Initiative that's, that's in Brooklyn, but they have initiatives in other boroughs, like in Staten Island, the Bronx. And if you were to Google them, they're also another resource as well. So there's, there's a lot of like access but I think the harder part is you have to get buy-in from your staff and that everyone on every level, from those from the top to housekeeping, are integral in how to create inviting space for men in spaces that we are not normally a part of. Mm-hmm. But I think in order to get men in your programs or clinics or what have you, you have to help them see how they are integral to the role of their child. And we can't assume that they know that already. Or we shouldn't assume that they don't know that. But we need to be direct with them about that and also follow through and have something to help support them with that. So if the statistic says that fathers, when they are involved, um, children have better, better, behave better in school, have better self-esteem. So have a program about how to help fathers talk to their children about their feelings or or how to engage them in terms of have a healthy development of themselves. So my final question is, if there was anything else that you'd wanna say to these behavioral health settings about engaging black fathers, things that they may not know or something that they may not be thinking to do, what would that be? We as practitioners, we have to be very honest about why we, if we really want to involve them. Because as, as fathers, as black men, we get a sense if someone's really interested in wanting us to be a part of something, whether it's authentic or not. Reframe our cognitive thinking about black men and black fathers in particular. I think by seeing them as not invisible, as active members of a family, their importance in the family, that will also shame, shape the dynamic of whether he wants to be involved or not. Tyrone, I want to thank you for such incredible insight. Thank you for joining us and thank everyone for listening to this podcast. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us. I'd like to thank our sponsors, our presenter, Mr. Tyrone M. Parchment, and our producer, Brianna Gonzalez. 
To learn more about our work and to check out some of our resources, visit mcsilver.nyu.edu and ctacny.org. Until next time, this is Jason Jones, and we are changing the narrative together. Thank you.